right. Today we have a very, very special guest. He is my dear friend, but he also happens to be Peggy's... My son, my oldest son, Marco. Marco Romito, welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Thanks for making the drive. Yes. <laughs> Marco actually used to live on the land with us at one point in time. Yeah, cabin 14 for... <laughs> Six months. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Really thank you for having me then. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) What was that experience like for you? Uh, Necessary. (laughs) Yeah, needed to disconnect from the rest of the world for a while. Uh, Definitely needed some time to heal from some things. And this definitely gave me the place and security to do that. So good Mm. yeah Yeah, the land just calls in people gives them some nourishing and nurturing and then you know moves you in and kicks you out moves you in kicks you out yeah although you decided when you were ready yeah because you met somebody yes that was (laughs) part of it part part of the reason i uh did meet someone my my beautiful wife camilla Mm. Yeah. Okay, so Marco, what's... You're going to have to pry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you know me. All right, Marco, what are the top three things you carry shame around? Oof. What'd you ask? What are the top three? (laughs) Things you carry shame around. Oh, my God. By the way, I was kidding. I was going to say, let's start with something a little easier. He's like, I don't know if I would have said yes to that. (laughs) I mean, I was going to think about it, but all right. Oh, okay. All right. We'll work you up. It's <laughs> like, let's come back to that one. <laughs> I was totally kidding, but also not if but you want to not. answer. Yeah. 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 Well. All right. So what was the best part about having Peggy as a mother? Oh, hey, you know, free sessions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone in the world seemed to be asking her all the questions that they could. And I just, you know. Hey, mom, (laughs) what does this person think about me? (laughs) What was that like for you? I don't know. I've ever talked to you about this. It was interesting because I grew up not really knowing what to think or believe because I'm so rooted in just the physical world. And And logic. I went to Sunday school, did all that. And even before you were doing your work and I was like six years old, I was like, hmm. I don't know if this is for me. (laughs) And I was like having questions about, you know, the universe and stuff. And then you came out doing what you're doing. And I was like, huh, this is different. And I didn't know what to think about it. And then, yeah, it was a weird transition from going from like, okay, religion, spirituality. And there's like a large time in my like early teenage years where I was like, I don't know if I believe in anything. And then it kind of took me um, going through some significant hardships, I would say, in my late teens and early 20s to really feel what was right to me. And I am your son. <laughs> and it's hard for me to keep, uh, to stay shut off from being connected to what everything really is. So. Yeah, I found myself back to, you know, you're kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that went full circle. That yeah. did go full circle. It it makes me happy to hear <clears throat> that you're recognizing that you are connected to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all are. But you were very successful shutting yourself off for that for a long time. As, as a lot of people do when they're inquiring Right, you have to kind of like have both experiences to, to feel what's, what's true for you. Yeah, oh, that makes me happy. What were some of the hardships? I lost a few close friends mm. when I was younger, um, very suddenly. <laughs> hmm. um, and you know, that was my first experience with death. Like all my grandparents were still alive and all that, so it was very much throwing me into that, okay, well, what's the, why am I here? Like, what's the point of all of this if it can just be taken away like that? So fell into a little bit of a depression there, you know, went to see a therapist. I remember after the first session, then the second session, like, couldn't get a hold of him. He was, fell off the wagon and, like, disappeared. I was like, all right. Your therapist did? <laughs> yeah. As you were processing the death of your friends? Yep. Wow. So, you know, 
had one good session and then nowhere to be found. I was like, all right, well, I guess he has problems still. So tried to figure it out on my own. Yeah. Failed miserably for <laughs> a few years. And then, you know, uh, stumbled into magic mushrooms and that helped a lot. Mm. Yeah. I just remember like researching cause I didn't want to, not that there's anything wrong with, taking a pill to like deal with things like, you know, for some people it's helpful, but for whatever reason, I just wanted to see if I can handle stuff on my own. And I hadn't seen a bunch of research on magic mushrooms. I had friends that had tried it before and just for fun, but I wanted to see if it would help and had my first experience was on a beach with like two of my close friends. Mm. Didn't really have an intention other than just like, I want to feel like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like hitting reset on my brain, which was amazing. Like hitting reset was such a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me that overwhelming feeling of, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Like you're good. So yeah, that's kind of when I fell, you know, started feeling passionate about um, psychedelics in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since that day on the beach, like, is there a takeaway that you can share? You, you felt reset. Was there an experience that you had on that ceremony that allowed you to reset? Not really an experience, but like I was binge drinking so much up until that moment, like yeah. every day and a lot. <clears throat> and then after it, it was like, okay, I'm, I don't need to be doing that anymore. And I've still, you know, struggled with it from time to time, but it was from oh my God, this is horrible to, you know, I think I took a few months off without drinking immediately after that. So um, for someone with substance abuse issues like myself yeah. and a long history of it, that was a pretty good uh, break, you could say. Mm. I appreciate how you've always been just forthright in whatever you're moving through. And I find so much power in that. Yeah, I mean, there's no sense of hiding it. Like, yeah. it's it's very obvious to anyone who's around or witnessing it that, like, okay, something's off. Yeah. yeah, why do you think you binge drink when you do? Why do you feel you're moving through that? Um, I would say it's a an inability to just, like, deal with the emotion there and just trying to mask it. You know, not wanting to have to cope or do anything like that. Um, yeah, you know, it's medication in its own. Yeah. It's just, it's another way of medicating. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, going back to that, those, you know, years you brought up, you were, I think, 19 when those three friends died over a year and a half. And then I remember, you know, taking you to three different therapists and you chose the therapist, right? And, he, and as he said, he went to him once and then, the guy disappeared. And I said, Marco, we got to find somebody else. He's like, no, I, I must be cured. It's the universe. Like he used this stuff on me. Like the universe is speaking, mom. Like, believe me, I'm cured. Like he just didn't, it was like, it was so painful, I think, for you to have to like keep moving. And that's when the alcohol really just like, I think really became your coping mechanism. And um, that, and, and at the same time though, you were very athletic. Like you were, you really poured yourself into one extreme you've always been an extremist like yeah i always kind of push the envelope with everything i do and don't get me wrong like i drank a lot before my friends passed yes, and everything but it went, sure. it went from having a good time to like i am now using this as a crutch yeah. and mm. there's a period where uh it's hard to like transition from going back so just like having a good time when yeah. you're using it at crutch and it just kind of gets all blended together and bad. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, everything I've done, where, whether it was track in high school and college, you know, I always was a maniac. I'd get up at like 4 a.m. even though I didn't have to and I'd practice later in the afternoon or, you know, when I had to get surgery on my foot. I was like, okay, well, where do I channel this energy now? And it went into bodybuilding and obviously I pushed the envelope with that with massive amounts of steroids and, you know, that led itself to, well, I had an appendectomy in 2015. Hard to know 
What, what causes it? Because there's no known causes for those, but it's What's hard to... What's an appendectomy? Appendicitis. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's yeah. right. Um, it was right after a show he did. Yeah. Yeah, day of a bodybuilding show. Um, I ate a burger after getting off stage. After having such a clean system in terms of your food, not in terms yeah, of anything I, else. Yeah, it was probably the first show I ever... Uh, really dieted perfectly with like zero cheat meals in 12 weeks or something like that. And I ate a burger right when I got off stage, got a stomach ache. I was like, well, I'm probably not used to it. Next day comes. I was like, okay, it's worse. It's really bad. But it was my cousin's like football game or something like that. And I drank that night. So I kind of numbed the pain next morning. I'm getting wheelchaired through the airport to fly back home. Cause I can't walk. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. So and here I am, his mother, and going, just listening to him and not, this is where I go stupid in my own life. I forget that I have the ability to check in. And so I'm just taking him at face value. I've just got a stomachache. This is why it's happening. I'm like, okay. We, we get home and he goes to bed not feeling good. I wake up in the middle of the night in a sweat and they're saying, he needs surgery. Get him to the hospital. I'm like, oh my God. Wow. And yeah. I remember... Previously, six months earlier, when I was getting you health insurance, I, have, I've, I think I've shared that story before, yeah. where they're like, he's going to need surgery. This was it. Yeah. And so we woke up, and I, and I took you to an, uh, an emergency room because I wanted to make sure. We were looking for urgent care. I'm like, no, it's got to be a place that we can have surgery if, if I'm right. And yeah, and then it turned into, it was complications. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a nightmare. Yeah. I had uh, like an arrhythmia during surgery, and... I woke up on the heart care floor instead of the stomach care floor. So they gave me a huge plate of food. I don't know any better. So I like come to with a bunch of food in front of me, eat and all I'm of like, it. Marco, the, you don't, you can't eat that. And he's like, they put it in front of me. They know what they're doing, mom. I'm like, no one told me anything. So yeah, nobody told me anything. I was like nine months pregnant with this belly full of food. And they're like, okay, well, you're either got to come out one way or the other. And if you start throwing up, we have to, you know, Put a tube in, yeah, and like drain it out. So yeah. So he was there for ten. This days. is getting off. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to. No, but this it's is pretty gross. But this is the bathroom. That's where we talk about shit. We talk about all of it. <laughs> we talk, yeah. about, we talk about all of it. That's yeah. a pretty traumatic experience. Now. Yeah. So you know, I lost from. So this was the day of a bodybuilding show. I lost <laughs> fifty-five pounds. So I had no fat on me. I lost fifty-five pounds in fifteen days of being hospitalized because I wasn't able to eat, and naturally that created an identity crisis because my entire like being was wrapped into just physically how I looked and going into the gym when I got finished with all that, you know, I was training at Gold's Venice at the time, which is like the Mecca of bodybuilding. And I was seeing all these dudes like Mr. Olympia's flex wheeler and all these other guys, um, people I like really respected who like got to know me as I was like training for this. I was like, starting to get a little bit of a name for myself there. I got back there. No one recognized me. And they were just like, what happened? So yeah. And like two months later, I threw a bag in my car and drove across the country <laughs> and decided to start over because being there was just too hard. And that's where like, uh, no place to really channel my addiction for like, it was track and I was bodybuilding. I was like, okay, like, I don't know what the, where to go with this now. And that fell into like a bunch of bad shit. Um, up until I found poker and that's kind of been like the saving grace, but yeah. So poker's your go-to now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for it. And you're great at it. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm all right at it. Is poker another coping mechanism? Ooh. Uh, I don't think so okay. because it can be, it can be. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely just something I'm passionate about because it's, it fuels all the things that I need. It's competitive, you know, it's money driven. It's got all the components to it that drive me. It's a super complex game and it's all about, it's all mental. It's all like about managing yourself, managing your emotions, the parallels to life are incredible. Um, yeah. I know they say that about most sports, but it's, you know, a decision-making game with incomplete information where 
things don't always go your way. You know, yeah. a dealer does a misdeal on a, on like a card that would have given you like the best hand possible for a bunch of money. And this gets shuffled back in the deck and you have to make, and then it comes out not the same. You have to make the next best decision and not let emotions affect you. And just, you know, life's not fair. Life's not fair shows up there also. And, <laughs> you know, you get to see people who, you know, that are not as, uh, I guess, experienced, I'll say, mm. are just play just bad players, you know, make a bunch of money because short term variance is there. And it's like, okay, then there's that level of entitlement that comes in that you have to keep under control because, you know, mm. that's just the way it goes sometimes. So, yeah. Do you think, um, how much, how much does luck play in, does luck have, have a, yeah, a, have ton, a role in, in poker? A ton in the short term. Um, that's why it keeps, people who don't know what they're doing coming back. You know, you can yeah. make the, mm. you can make the wrong decision and make money. It mm. happens all the time, mm. you know? Um, but that's what makes the game beatable is people don't know when they're making the right decision or not. Yeah. But you can, but you'll know if it is just based on probabilities, like if you're making the right moves. It drives somebody that knows how to play, play poker nuts when somebody that doesn't know how to play is playing irresponsibly and then getting lucky. You know, Kim knows a lot about poker. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've heard stories. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played in a while. I don't think it's like riding a we bike. We played at Baby to Beat. What was that? We played years, years ago. Years ago. I yeah. mean, I played every day, yeah. all the time. And yeah. I want to point out something before we're like Kimberly poker mode. Um, just as a friend, I guess talking to a lot of people, but really as a friend, um, I've heard you say that you can control it, that it shows you what you feel in life is like, right? Like it's not fair. And um, in pain and numbness and all these different things um, that seem to be still circulating around controlling your emotions, not feeling, numbing your emotions uh, because there's so much pain, right? Do you have any interest in a release valve? Such as, <laughs> I'm going to need you to be more specific. <laughs> just as like giving yourself a time and a space to not control your pain, to maybe just go all the way into it, to like let somebody hug you while you cry and wail and feel all the pain that's been locked up inside, you know, including the passing of three really good friends in a very short period of time during such a tender age. I think I've done all of that already. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't really. Uh, Is yours more like present moment, like feeling like more like, like more intuitive, like this being sensitive to the world and just having all the energy come through? Or is it still, as Kim is um, suggesting, old, old things? Or is it not matter? I'm to just you? listening it, to your to your language in regards to poker, and you had said that it is like real life, and that it's not fair, and it and it's oh yeah, it's not a about how I'm feeling right now or anything. I just, or it's just saying like yeah, life isn't fair. Mm. It. Like it's it's not an even playing field. It's not it's not anything. It is what it is. Like you're yeah. given the hand you're dealt. You know, make the best decision you can with it, mm. and that's it. Like, yeah, it's just more of a philosophy. Yeah, that you, you get a hand in it. Why, why am I born here as opposed to someplace else? Or, yeah, yeah, all of it. So, yeah. you did pro, so you've gone through some deep processing. What did you find to be the most helpful thing to, to, to help relieve you? Community, probably mm. just you know, having talking to people going through similar shit. Yeah probably the most useful thing. And then mm. uh, having those people and, you know, checking in with each other, you know, holding each other accountable to certain things that, you know, you make commitments to. Yeah. Probably that. The village is so important. Yeah. So it's true. just, every time I go through something deep in life, it just showcases how important the village is. 
you're a part of our village. You, you have sensed some of the most beautiful, touching messages we've ever received. Um, you're a part of the village. It's just the village is yeah. just so beautiful. Yeah, and it's, and it's um, interesting how at different times, just like you said, this place, you really needed it. You needed the time out from life. And this mm. is what this property gave you and the family gave you. And, mm. and it's the same, you know, like having that village at different points in time, each of us needs it, yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. then, and then we're all kind of coming together for one another. Yeah. It is, Texas has been good to us. Texas yeah. has been a good yeah. village. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. And the magic mushrooms. <laughs> Plus how, magic mushrooms. Yeah. How old were you the first time you did mushrooms? Uh, was it college? Was 20, it? I want to say. 20? Yeah. Nine, yeah, 20 years old, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I've yet to try just psilocybin. Really? Really. Mm-hmm. I've not, like, I because I'm, like, I think once upon a time, like, in my teenage years, no, later, fast forward, not that long ago um, as a teenager, but in my 20s with your dad, I smoked some pot and my brain was one of those brains that get a paranoia. Oh my God. And then I was laughing, but he told me I couldn't stop laughing and I went into paranoia. I couldn't stop laughing. And literally just like he had, you know, he loved it because there I'm just stitched over for 20 minutes thinking <laughs> I'm going to die, but it's through laughter. <laughs> I mean, that's on the That's a release valve. That's, that's the paranoia brain, right? But it just like, so even though it sounds fun, it was not fun. I was terrified, even though I was laughing, I was terrified. So so for me, like I'm always really cautious about what I take because that part of my brain is so, I don't know, susceptible to paranoia. So I have to go, go to things that are... So if I did say um, straight mushrooms, I'd have to really go, I think, like low dose just to see what that would feel like before I could actually give my, let myself have an experience. Mushrooms is really good at taking a low dose and expanding it where it needs to go. Yeah, okay. Just FYI. Well, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'll be doing it anytime soon, but good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you know, it, all the research out there now on depression, I, I didn't know that about <clears throat> you, honey. I didn't know that um, you helped that, that you had that experience. I'm so happy that you did. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Shout out, Jamie Ongifrak. Thank you. <laughs> Good old Jamie. <laughs> He's an amazing guy. <laughs> yeah, you had a really good group of friends. Yeah. So, um, so now, what's your, what's your, um, what's, you said your passion is at poker. And so how, how do you, like, do um, you find balance in poker? Do you find... What's like, what's the been. formula? <clears throat> haven't been? No, I've oh. just been, I, I need to like dial it back. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm passionate about getting as good at the game as I possibly can. That mm. being said, I'm still so, so early, relatively speaking to other players. Um, it's that competitive nature in me that wants to be the best at it. Yeah. But So this is how you're making your living right now. At the moment, yes. I was laid off from a job in uh, December of last year, and I knew I was a winning player, but I never had to rely on it before to make a living, so I was a little scared going into it at first. It was always the end goal, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't anticipating it being right then. I was thinking, okay, a few years, and I'll give it a shot, but it's been going well so far. it's a little scary at times, just in terms of like, you know, you can have a few really good months in a row and then, you know, it's weird to go feel like you're going to work every day and making the right choices and losing money and wow. having to rely on it. So <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's kind of a terrifying thought, like even the best in the world, um, guys like Daniel Negreanu posted like his yearly totals for like eight years. And there was like a two year period where he lost like a total of $1.5 million over the course of two years. And this is like oh. one of the top players in the world. Is he uh, still like, married? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> well over those 10 years, he also made like, you know, eight or $9 million. So like, wow. it's just, you have to suck it, suck it up and just like, tr- you have to be so certain that you're, 
doing the right thing, which is a hard thing to do in a game as complex as that. And it's getting, it's much easier now with things like, uh, it's called GTO, Game Theory Optimal Play. Like everything's been solved, every spot's been solved. It's just there's so many spots to memorize that it's, it's impossible for a human to actually like wow. get it all down. But there's a baseline to study and then deviate from based on your opponent's tendencies. Yeah, I was just going to say one big, huge thing in poker is your opponent's tendencies and recognizing them. And so, you know, everybody plays differently. And, and each time you sit at a table with new people, the first thing you have to start unwinding is all the personalities. Yeah. And I'd never need to play anywhere close to like optimal yeah. um, because I'm playing such low stakes right now. Like, yeah. Greg from Starbucks is never bluffing this river for whatever reason. Or like it's, there's just, it's, it's very, it's very face up to me on like what you need to do in certain situations. Got it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, as you climb up stakes and uh, play against tougher competition, then you have to play a little more balanced, but mm. that's, yeah. Poker is definitely like what I'm passionate about, but as I've played, um, I can't help but feeling a little bit of a cockroach <laughs> in society because it's like it is a zero sum game, not really contributing anything to the world. Um, mm. It's just like okay, I'm sitting down and just like taking people's money, but like I'm not really doing anything for society. So it's kind of like brought up this entrepreneurial spirit in me lately. Mm. Whereas oh. I'm looking to like try to start some businesses and like actually contribute something. Oh, <laughs> so love that. yeah, I've been working on that the last month, but. Passion still in poker. Passion like that's still got my. Comp that's where like is feeding my competitive and addictive behavior, so to speak. So that's that's consuming that part of me. But now I'm looking elsewhere to like actually, you know, have fulfillment. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and that's cool. The follow through on that is always big, right? Yep. We need to get back on our texting, checking up on each other. Definitely. Yeah. You guys had a thing. Yeah, me and Marco have things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we create plans. We start plans. Sometimes we follow through with plans. Sometimes we don't. It's true. It's yeah. like you're in the your your age range yeah. is like in the middle of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. You're yeah. It's so funny. I. It's so funny. I it took. I didn't even know your age for the longest time, nor do I, I freaking care. Yeah. And it's just hilarious to me. It's like, there's no age. Once you pass a certain age, maturity is the age you want to hang out with. Yeah, it's the connection that <laughs> you're yeah. feeling instead of the, the number. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely don't relate to the number. It's, I mean, I think I picked that up from my mom. She's always like, it's just a number. It's how you feel inside. Mom is a badass. Your is a grandma badass. is a badass. I know. I saw a picture of her riding like an elephant or something. A, the camel. Last few, a camel. A camel was at it. Yeah. Last month, she was riding a camel at Wait. 91 in Israel. She was, and she was in Israel? Well, is that what she went? I'm, Jerusalem. I have no idea. I just yeah, saw a Jerusalem picture on Facebook. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. crazy. You know that we had a... She looked an, like she was six. She yeah. looked so excited, her face. We yeah. had a storm here and we had, I don't even know how many people were on the land. Everybody like bunked up here and your mom was walking in the freezing or your grandmother was walking in the freezing weather to the bathroom cabin and then out to the kitchen and like she was the cafeteria woman we had no Cleaning, electricity cooking. for five days this is before you moved in the year before yeah yeah, yeah. oh my goodness she was stuck here okay so marco <laughs> for anybody that is listening right now and maybe they're recognizing some tendencies in themselves or their own children with addictive behavior, you're calling it. What, how, like, what advice? is the, yeah, <laughs> what's the advice or the call? Like, what do you, what would be helpful to you? Oof. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just finding something that, to place it. Like, I'm a, I've been addictive, whether it's with something positive in my life or something negative. Um, or not something negative, but when I don't have a place to put that addiction, that addictive behavior, whether it's running, working out, poker, when I don't have something to like just be passionate about and like channel that energy, it's easy to get lost into everything else. So I don't know if it's 
quite the same for everybody. I never got into anything that was like too hard, so to speak. Like I never did heroin or anything like that where it's like, okay, you need this now. Um, Thank God. Yeah. But I really think, you know, finding something that you're passionate about and like to give yourself a purpose, so to speak, is Mm -hmm. like the best chance of doing it. But I don't think anyone can help someone with that. They kind of have to find it on their own. That's so true. And you actually just did a beautiful reframing because you shifted the word addiction into passion. And, you know, especially somebody with like a big sensitive heart with anybody that knows, you knows you have a big sensitive heart, um, that it's really about having a place to, you know, wrap that. And, and the passion is such a beautiful thing. Now you're newly married. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a daughter now as well. I do. (laughs) (laughs) How old is she? She's 15. Yeah, she's 15. She lives in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. So wife, daughter, that happened quickly. How's the transition been? Rough. (laughs) (laughs) That's honest. Yeah. I'm sure she would say the same thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, breaking it in. Yeah, Yeah. but uh, definitely worth it. Um, I was a hot mess when she met me. Um, in a way we kind of like really needed each other in that moment. Um, I living with someone after, you know, six months of knowing or six weeks of knowing them rather, (laughs) um, you learn a lot about the other fast and with that comes growing pains, but you know, we are uh, (laughs) still going strong. Um, We've both grown a ton um, to kind of like meet each other where the other's at and make a bunch of compromises. But Mm. it's been, uh, you know, I feel like all marriages have some challenges. Um, The first year of any marriage, I don't care how long you've known each other, it it changes. It just changes you. I mean, I just remember the first year of our marriage, you know, was just like, God, anybody peering in the window on this relationship would go, it's freaking doomed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we're, you know, 35 years. Cause it was just, we did not, we were the worst communicators. Mm. He would raise his voice, I would retreat. Mm. And then he'd break the door down because light was like an insult to him. And it was like all these broken doors in our house. It was like, oh my God, we had to come to an agreement that if you don't raise, you know, if you keep calm, I'll stay in the room. But there were two different, complete different styles of, mm. um, I was raised with quiet, you walk away, and he was raised with have it out and get it over with. So it, that first year was wicked rough. Yeah. The first years are so interesting. For me and James, it, it was, we had this beautiful honeymoon romance, absolutely of in love. Of course you did. Well, we could feel everything. <laughs> but then at the same time, it like, you know, we, we found each other's triggers or found where, you know, you were hiding the entire truth about your history. You you know, like you weren't saying the whole truth. Well, sometimes oversharing isn't, is problematic in the beginning when you don't, you know, because when you're just getting to know each other, I don't know that oversharing is a good thing. You're building a foundation. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. No, there were, oh my God. And Poor James, I could find out almost anything about what he was doing that night or anything because Google. Oh, <laughs> so I had an unfair advantage <laughs> into knowing what was going on in his world. But he would be in meditations and bring up names and be like, What about that? I'm like, How? What? Like, <laughs> the guy just has access to like the whole universe in his meditations. And they're just <laughs> like, for true. real? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just the relationships, there are growing pains when people are coming together yeah. and growing. And it's just what it is. It's just what it is. It's exactly. just what it is. What is like, what do you have a moment where you guys just, couldn't stop laughing. Not really. <laughs> Anything you laugh about. Um, <laughs> I've had moments where I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. 
she might have been angry. <laughs> <laughs> that but may not I was laughing. <laughs> um, those are funny to me. <laughs> oh my god! Um, we're, we're interviewing yeah, there's, there's her a, next. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. There's a lot of dynamics there that remind me of you know you and Dad. Oh um, God! Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. <laughs> They say you marry one of your parents, and yeah, uh, yeah. You married your dad, Ugh. or your mom? Kind of both. Both. My dad. Yeah, it's, not, it's not close. <laughs> <laughs> you married your dad. Well, and you know what I said is like, I, yeah, because she's super passionate, super like she's just deep and passionate. Knows exactly what she wants, and nothing will stop her from getting it. Yeah. So, you, you, yeah. Exactly. A lot of conviction in her. Great. Yeah. yeah. Which is why you were attracted to her, I'm sure. Yeah, One of the, the reasons. aimless thing that I am. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I needed someone to like bring me down to earth and like. You needed you that know, magnetic, powerful force that, you know, your Brazilian gorgeous wife yeah, provides. There was, there was one thing very clear from like the moment I met her is like, she knows exactly who she is and what she wants. And she has all the qualities in a wife that I would want, like from the very get go. Yeah. So like that much was clear and I was like, the rest I can deal with. I'll figure out, we'll figure out the rest, but like everything I need is right there. Yeah. I, I remember mm. Marco, when you called me and you said, mom, I'm going to marry this girl. I'm like, okay. He's like, no, you're not listening. I'm like marrying her like, like soon. And I'm like soon. And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, can I ask what the rush is? He's like, there's no rush. It's just, she's the first woman I've met in a decade or whatever that meets this, the qualities that I want in a wife. And I remember saying to you, does she make you happy? And you're like, it's not her job to make me happy. I was like, oh, mic drop. I felt like I'd Whoa. done my job. Like, you know what you want. You understand it's not your partner's job to make you happy. That's an inside job. And, um, and I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so proud of your... Um, First of all, your picker is right on, <laughs> you know, to be able to to pick somebody who's that who holds you to a higher level, but also loves you, you know, for who you are. And that's where the learning is, is what I'm understanding for all couples is to love the other partner where they're at, even though you can see the potential. I think the relationships that don't work are the people that don't like you who you are today. That's where I see all the problems in relationships mm -hmm. is when they're when they're ragging on the person who's showing up today. If you can't love your partner who they are today, you know, don't marry them because sometimes they change, sometimes they don't. Yeah, you know. And um, but I think that you know relationships are complicated, and we always get what we need. It doesn't always look pretty, but if, as long as you have that those moments that you can just you know fall in love all over again, you know, because people always ask your dad and I, how we stay together. And it is those moments of like being able to fall back in love with the other person. And they've happened so many times. And I think for me, part of being married for so long was giving myself permission to leave. So in those moments when life really sucked, I went, I can leave. And I went, wow, you know, giving myself permission to leave gave me all the permission to stay. Mm. And that was really kind of like all I needed was to envision my life without him, and that sucked more than the moment that the relationship was in. Yeah. So that's kind of how I was, for myself, how I've navigated. Other people, they're like one and done, like, I'm out of here, I can't handle, like they just, this, you know, not everybody's a relationship person. There's that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're just not in that moment. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I know some com pretty committed to like, I'm never gonna be in a relationship ever again. Yeah. Like never be married relationship or the never way be they, in just partnership? Just the way they operate in life. They don't want anybody and nobody would really probably want them either because they're just, they're, 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 they're very, um, what's the word? They just know what they want. And for them, it's just don't want, don't want to have to bend or yield to somebody else's idea of what today brings. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're being alone is easy. Super fluid. Yeah. No. Being alone <laughs> is easy. It is no. easy. Well, no. it, you know, it, it is In terms easy. of getting stuff done that you want to get done. I guess you know? that's yeah. true. I do yeah. like whenever. No, no compromises. James is out of town right now. I've been doing whatever the hell I want. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That is there's true. A, there is an ease to it, but there's also, there's a lack to it too, for sure. I mean, you know, we're all relationship people, so it's easy for us to say. <laughs> Yeah, 
I yeah. just missed my snuggles. What was the, yeah. like, was this the first time you ever lived with a woman? No. Okay. I was always someone who like, you know, living with someone is the quickest way to like see, all right, how compatible are we really? Yeah. So I'd done it a couple of times before. Um, yeah. What's the most beautiful thing in your life right now? Probably how close my family is. Mm. Even though like it's weird because <clears throat> we're kind of spread out, but I don't remember us being all that unified growing up. Um, and maybe that's because, you know, I was seven years older than Risa. Yeah. And I feel a lot more connected to her now, too. Um, but just like the amount of love and support between all of us, you know, that's it's not the most common thing in the world anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Mm, that's going to make me cry, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we have a family chat, just just the just the kids. And it's just, it's, um, it's priceless and it's funny as hell sometimes. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and you know, it's, it's, um, it's nice. It's nice having, we've gone through a lot. And I think there's a lot of healing that's happened um, so that everybody has, uh, I think, moved to the other side. You know, growing up can't, you know, there's, I was sharing this with Risa. I'm like, part of growing up is you have trauma from your parent, because that's where separation happens. That's where there's gotta be a separation of understanding you are not, you know? So it doesn't have to be trauma, but there's a, what we call break in belonging. You can mm -hmm. call it a misunderstanding or whatever, but that's part of the process of growing up. But to be able to recognize what that was and then heal it and come back is a really beautiful thing. And not everybody gets the opportunity because some people's parents don't change, Yeah, you know? And, um, or some people start later in life and all those things. I love that that was the answer. That's so sweet. What was the most helpful? Because as Peggy said, like some of our trauma comes from our parents. Was there anything that your parents did that allowed you to process trauma you had with them? I don't know if I can say. <laughs> Keep it private then. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. it private. It might have been more so for them than for me. Got <laughs> it. Yeah. A lot of, uh, I think a lot of the things that, you know, our family went through together, um, I had forgiven like long ago, mm. but my parents maybe hadn't. Mm. So I think it yeah. might have been more for, you know, for them. For them. Yeah. They're... Which is, you know, great. Yeah, I have happy to be a part of it. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, family oh. therapy is always good. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do such a great job of just constantly like pulling the family in. Oh, you, know? you know, I thank you. Yeah. I think it's you know for me, it's just always not reacting, do, doing my best to not react to whatever is coming at me, mm. right? Whichever kid or whichever, it's usually, you know. It's usually not Marco, <laughs> but being able to like not um, not judge where mm -hmm. they're coming from and just meet them with with um, acceptance, I think that's allowed me to to keep them close, mm. so they don't you know because I think the the first why there's so many families who don't communicate is because I think when a uh, an adult child comes to a parent and the parent then either rejects that idea or that notion that that adult child's having about them and or they can't um, so they can't hear it and then they're just at a stalemate where they're not taking it in or they're just in there's so it's so much in their own shit that yeah. it doesn't matter you know yeah and you know? we we so. can have our version of that in partnership like i actually realized in uh, conversing with James, if he had a reflection of me that didn't meet my reflection of me, there was defensiveness. Mm. And yeah. so in order to actually hear what he had to say, it's like, I see you defensiveness and I fold, I fold the cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's important in relationship that you have, you know, like a, like a, 
a phrase or something <clears throat> that you say to the other when you want to have an honest conversation with them. Like, you know, ours is like, I have something I want to talk to you about. Do you have a minute? Like, it's always like, okay, he's going to say something now that is probably going to feel very critical to me. So I have to brace myself. And in my head, I'm saying stuff to myself like, don't take this personal, like, just breathe, like, don't react, like, I'm like building yeah. up the defenses. So whatever he says, I don't have a, have a, a return of volley for, right? Mm -hmm. Try to be defensive or whatever. And that's helped me just to be able to hear his opinion, because mm -hmm. that's what it is. It's his experience. Mm -hmm. It's his experience. It doesn't necessarily mean it's my experience, but it's his experience. So I can appreciate that's his experience mm -hmm. without, you know, having to defend it. And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is it's his experience. So I don't want him to have that kind of experience. So how can I be different so he can have a different experience? Yeah. Or at least listen and have compassion for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, we could talk forever about, <laughs> about relationships. Yeah. Anyway, what's, what do you do for fun, Marco? Do you have anything to do for fun? Nothing. All work. That's been a... That's been a struggle is because when I was working, poker was like the outlet. Oh. Poker was like, you know, that's what I'm studying. That's what I'm playing. That's where my free time goes. I have nothing but free time now. And it all, <laughs> it just all goes to poker. Oh. And there's a, the problem with that is that it becomes so much of my happiness can be dictated on, you know, variance in card distribution <laughs> and that's not a good way to live so yeah. like you know definitely open to new hobbies have you ever thought about a new language yes <laughs> <laughs> I, I i got one i can think of what? that i should probably portuguese portuguese <laughs> since he's ah. white is brazilian exactly duh Okay, I was like That's watching great. new language in your field right here and having it invite in like a new frequency and a new energy and and new food, like different things. And I cannot believe I didn't make that association. I thought you were doing that intentionally, but all right. <laughs> I, I actually wasn't. It was like a field thing, just observing your field. Wow. Well, I think I find it fascinating because you said that you can understand her when she speaks. No, oh, not her. Uh, oh, not her, but other people? Spanish. 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 Yeah. Okay, Spanish. That's from growing up with Erica. Got it. Yeah. 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 Where oh. Erica was a nanny we had for seven years when, from the time Marco was like one, one and a half, till you were like eight. Yeah. So, Marco, I know that you can ask your mom questions at any given point, but do you have an Ask Peggy question you want to ask today? I do not. <laughs> we, we should. I, I stopped asking questions. Now. You did? He yeah. did. He did. For and a few reasons. I don't, one, it's probably not the healthiest thing for you to know everything going on in my life. So okay. a little bit of, yep. little bit of, you know, boundary. boundary there. And the other is I'm pretty good at trusting myself now. So... Yeah, this no, is I, amazing. I stopped about maybe five years. You were never so much. It was it was more Risa and Renzo where I stopped and I said, they've become dependent on, you know, I've, I've created them dependent upon me to come mm. to me anytime and give them the answer. And I went, oh my God, that's such a disservice. Mm. I have to stop that. And so especially with Renzo, maybe five or seven years ago, I stopped and I would start saying, because, you know, with Renzo... And with any kid, you can tell them, and then it's like, oh, I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, giving him um, the reflection that he's got the answer himself mm. and say, if you want me to check something, I'll check something. But I'm not going to do that for you anymore. And I did that a number of years ago, and I think it was probably the best and healthiest thing I could do for them. Because while they needed it when they were little and needed to learn kind of how oh, that's, okay, that feels right to me then. Now they, yeah. it, it, it comes a point when you have to stop and yeah, they need to do your it themselves. So own barometer. Yeah, in fact, I think you now, Marco, have really, is this my own, you know, ignorance here? Or is it true that you've really kind of embraced now more of your intuitive capacity and are really starting to listen to, the, to that and understand it? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I'm not sure what the cause of it was or anything. Um, I had a few experiences, I guess, that it helped, you know, remind me of how connected I am to everything. But I'm definitely more tuned in, more tapped in. Like I, since poker is all I do, I see it on the poker table, like where I'm not afraid of like making a decision that 99% of people would be like, that's just dumb. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I just very trusting in like what I know and what I do. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, then I'm going to do an ask Marco question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So his, his, what would you like? So before we close down, what would you like to share from your heart with everybody? What would you like them to feel, know, understand? The first thing that comes to my mind is the world is a pretty crazy place. A lot of, you know, a lot of fear tactics I see going on in general everywhere. And I just think that, you know, the more you tune into that and the more you're consuming that information and the more you're believing, like, you know, these negative tabloids or whatever it is, whether there's like an ounce of truth to it or none or a ton, it's not serving you in any way. Um, just focus on like the people you care about, focus on, you know, creating something of value for your family, for the people around you and don't stress so much about all the other stuff. Well said. Beautiful. Now I see why you're, you're shifting into wanting to create something. Mm -hmm. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks yeah. For, for sharing your heart with us. Yeah. yeah. Love you. Love you guys. I love you too.